0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. We're talking about authentic obedience. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and look at our main passage today, which is 1 John chapter two, and the verses are verses three through five. 1 John chapter two, verses three through five and it says this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands, if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know We are in him. I want us to first look at what authentic obedience. So if you're taking notes, our first thing we're going to talk about is authentic obedience. I want to look at this idea that the scripture says, we know that we we have come to know him. If we keep his commands, there's two main things there. Firstly, as you see, is the word we, I love that. It's saying we, because all of us are called to examine ourselves. Whether you've been serving the Lord for one day, one month, one year, 10 years, however long you've been, we are all called to serve the Lord, to know his word. We are to put ourselves to the test. I love what David says. He says, search me and know my heart, test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, lead me on an everlasting way. So it's not pointing to the left or to the right and say, you need to take the test or you need to take the test. Some of you telling your spouses at home, no, you need to take the test. And it's, not, it's not that. It's looking in the mirror and say, I need to take the test. We are all called to put ourselves to the test of authentic faith. So that we I don't want us to rush through this. But then the next thing it says, I love this so much. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Our key point here is knowing God's word leads to authentic obedience. We have to be a people that would be willing not to just live by good quotes and good opinions or Google, but we have to know God's word. Maybe you're, you're listening right now. You don't have a relationship with Christ. I encourage you to, to come to know Christ and draw near to him so you can get into his word because there's so much wor- There's so much things he wants to reveal to you and me so that we can walk and live a victorious life. But what happens sometimes is that we're, we, we have, we're putting our faith in the wrong sources, we're putting our faith in what sounds good, what feels good, and, what, and what, 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 what is popular. But the scripture says that literally in the last days, there will be a form of godliness and, and, and denying its power. People will only want to hear what their itching ears are desiring to hear. But we have to be able to know what God's word says. So my encouragement to you is this. Take time to open your word and say, Lord, speak to me. Even if it's just one verse a day, even if it's just one one chapter a day, whatever you got to do, we need to get in God's word. We have to get in God's word. And sometimes I don't want to make it seem convenient. Sometimes we have this mindset of just do one time a day or read when you can. But I want to challenge you. We need to read God's word every day. Every single day, we need to be getting in God's word to see what he has to say pertaining to our situation, what he has to say to us because he desires to be in relationship with us. We need to be drawing to his word and getting to know him and say, what does your word say so that I can know how to apply it to my life? I know him by knowing his word. And this idea of knowing God—it reminds me of a time when I—I I, I went to the the Mac store. You guys know Apple is just—I know some people are saying Apple is from the devil. You see the bite mark on it? Is the serpent's apple, whatever. But I do have an iPhone. I use it for the glory of God. Amen. I don't have an Android. No, no disrespect for the androids. I just pray one day you'll see the light. <laughs> um, but I was in the Mac store one time. I was trying to find something. And you ever been to the Mac store? It's crazy in there. They have like a thousand employees, a thousand uh, uh, sales, people trying to buy stuff. There's every single thing. It's like Disney World for Apple. It's like you're running around, you looked at this Mac, you looked at this iPad. As a matter of fact, I hate going there because what I really want to buy, I can't really afford. So it's like, okay, I don't want to go there. But this particular day, I wanted to go to this, this Mac store. And someone I knew, they knew someone who worked there. <laughs> So I said, hey, yo, who, um, uh, you think um, the person you know knows me? So they could get me in line? Because those of you know how the Mac store works. You have to get a ticket. You got to get online. They have such a system. Then you're waiting online. You can't just walk in. There's no walk-ins in Mac. Like, you got to have an appointment. You got to get in line. Then you finally, when it's your turn, you'll be able to walk forward. So I thought, since I knew someone who knew someone, maybe they'll know me. <laughs> so literally, I walk and I see the person that I knew that someone knew. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, yo, and he's like, yo, and then he points me to the line, he's like, the line's over there. I was like, what happened? I know the person who know you, so you should know me. Right? And sometimes when we're not careful, this is what we do with God. We know people who know God, but we don't know him for ourselves, and we expect to have a relationship with him. But God is saying, How can you learn to draw near to me if you're leading on someone who knows me when you need to know me for yourself? The Bible says we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and find the grace that we need for ourselves. And I wanna encourage you, it has nothing to do with the notes. Jesus literally tore the veil for you and for me to not allow sin or discouragement or um, um, condemnation to hinder you from entering into his presence. So it's not about going through someone to go through him, but we go through Christ to get into the presence of God, to know him for ourselves. The Lord says, what are you waiting for to know me for you? I don't think we understand. 2020 is showing us I can't lean on someone else's relationship with God to get me through. I can't lean on someone else's faith to get me through my journey in Christ. I get to a place where I have to learn how to pray for myself. I get to a place where I have to learn how to study his word for myself. I get to a place where I become desperate enough that I'll push past the crowd and reach down and touch a hem of his garment, not for someone to touch him for me, but so I can touch him myself. Someone type that in the comments. I need to touch him for myself. Man. I know we're getting comfortable in this, this online digital realm. But you, we need to push past the digital and encounter God. And maybe that's a word for someone. You, you're waiting for a digital miracle when the Lord is calling you to touch him for yourself. Put the iPhone down and put the Android down and, and, and touch him. And touch him and know him. I know this is not—it's old school. I probably might change the channel go to another YouTube. But if someone would just pause, even in this moment, say, Lord, I need to touch you. I need to touch you. But anyway, the MacBook store, right? <laughs> I, he ain't know me. I, I knew someone who knew him. But this is a different kind of knowing that John is referring to. John is talking about a, it's an intimacy with God that we may know him. We know him by studying his word. And many times, if we're not careful, we misinterpret thinking it's, it's knowing his word just by itself. But it's knowing his word in our minds in order that it would transform our hearts. When you study the, 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 just the, the, the early Christians and their faith with God, this idea of knowing God was more than just understanding doctrines and theology. It was to pursue God. And have, and have deep intimacy with him and, and have relationship with him. This is what John is talking about in this passage. When we come to know God this way, it's then that we learn to, to desire to obey his commands. When we this, this is very important because when you read that scripture, it could sound a little demanding. If you don't know me, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But there's a difference between commands and demands. See, demanding takes place when there's no relationship so now if you're demanding something from someone and there's no relationship, they're perhaps going to feel a little led away or maybe forced by you to do something that they don't have a desire to do. But when there's a relationship, when you come to know him, when you come to draw near to him, when it is that he's giving you a, a command or a word, there's a part of you that's desiring more of him. We hear this often. Rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. But we're going to talk a little about, about that a little bit later. But we'll continue on in 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse four. He says, whoever says, I know him. I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Once again, I want to point attention to it that says, whoever. So it doesn't matter your title. It doesn't matter your position. doesn't matter if you've been serving the Lord longer or short, whoever, if we're not careful, we, we can fail the test of true authentic faith if we're not truly drawn near to him to know him. James 1.22 says, do not merrily listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. John 8.31.32 says, to the Jews who, who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth. Someone say truth. Truth and the truth will set you free. What is truth? We're going to talk about that in a second, but the, the Lord desires that we understand Truth. Here at Christian Life Center, one of our passions is discipleship. It's an old church term that pretty much is the process of becoming more like Christ because when we get saved, how many people know we were nothing like him? Far away from the cross. But he draws us in the process of transformation and some old words like sanctification where he's pretty much cleaning out the old stuff and bringing in his new nature within us and redeeming those parts of us that we're ashamed of that he's wanting to utilize for his glory. There's this process of becoming like him that we call discipleship. Because the whole goal of it is is that by the time he comes back to receive us or we step into eternity, we want to look a little bit more like him than we did when we first started in our faith. Here at Christian Life Center, we believe that we are called to make disciples who make disciples. But I want to tell you this, discipleship is dependent on truth. Discipleship is dependent on God's word. If there's no truth, there can't be discipleship because it's only his truth that sets us free. And sometimes if we're not careful, we, we can become comfortable with, with things that make us feel good. We need to be open to the truth in order that the truth can set us free. And I just wanna make a little plug here if you are interested in our discipleship process. Um, we have what we call School of Discipleship. Uh, I, I thank God for Pastor Tom and Pastor Candy being willing to just open up this opportunity to know that it is a process. How many people know it's a process? That's why Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples, not overnight, but it takes time. But if you're interested in our discipleship process, um, normally we have uh, this encounter retreat that we normally ask you to attend first, but because the next encounter, we don't know what it's going to be. We want to allow for you to actually sign up for our discipleship process, um, and we'll be able to get you into the process to figure out when you can join the class. But if you're interested in your faith to draw near to the Lord and grow, and grow in Christ and grow in this discipleship, there's a number on the screen that you easily can text Literally S O D to that number. S O D stands for School of Discipleship. I know it seems like a lot of information, but the point of it is this: If you're in this place where it's like, okay, I've been, I've, I, I've gotten saved, but now I want to grow to know who I am in Christ. We talk about our identity in Christ. We talk about our character in Christ. We talk about how to become leaders for the God, leaders in the in, in, in the body of Christ and utilizing our gifts. But if you're interested, you can text that number. Like I said, the whole purpose of it. If you if you do decide to join. You'll notice that there's a lot of truth that's spoken according to God's word. That's the formation process where we're letting go old ways of thinking, old ways of processing and embracing now the ideologies of Christ to become like him. So if you're interested in that, please feel free to just follow those instructions as we continue to move on through this. But we'll go back to what is truth. Another time you see this question pop up is literally in John 18, 38. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is Jesus speaking to Pilate and Pilate retorts back to him and says, what is truth? I'm going to be saying I'm going to be saying a lot of scriptures, so keep up with me a little bit. But I thought it would be appropriate. Authentic obedience, authentic word. We may as well have some scriptures, I bet. <laughs> so, What is truth? John chapter one literally declares, it's not in your notes, but I want to say, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything that there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. This is Jesus. What the scripture is showing us in that passage is Jesus Christ is revealed truth. So prior to Jesus coming, we've been hearing God give commands and giving the 10 commandments. And we're trying to understand his standards and trying to understand his morality and trying to understand the ways in which he desires for his people to live. But then, God does something so powerful. He sends Jesus. The word of truth. The word became flesh in Christ. That's why, this is on, not on my notes. I don't keep saying that because I just, just I don't know why this is coming. But that's why when we say, in Jesus' name, Amen. That's the most powerful way for us to close our prayer because we're closing on the fact that Jesus Christ is the amen of God. Jesus Christ is the amen of God. When we say in Jesus' name, in Jesus name amen, we say, let it be so. And how many people know that nothing can come against the name of Jesus? Nothing can, come, nothing can come against the person of Jesus. Nothing can come against the power of Jesus. When we speak the name of Jesus, demons have to tremble. When we speak the name of Jesus, atmospheres have to shift. When we speak the name of Jesus, literally something changes. Jesus Christ is the revealed truth. And the word of God is often referred to as truth. But there's three different ways I'm not parking a lot in this beginning piece. We'll breeze through in just a moment. But there's three different ways, three different words that the word of God is likened to being described or being described as. Number one, the word of God or the Bible or the truth or the word of God or truth of God. It's often described as, number one, graphe. The graphe or word of God is pretty much just a written text. The Bible as as, as as a history book. Literally just the written word. Then you move from the written word to the Logos word, which is when the word of God becomes illuminated. This is when the revealed truth begins to make sense and take shape in your heart and mind. and becomes flesh and you go, amen, I understand. This is when you literally will read the same scripture over and over, but for whatever reason, this time when you're reading it, it's just taking a whole new meaning and you're understanding the depths of it and now you're ready to apply it, the illuminated word. Then the other aspect of the word is the rhema word, which could be an entire sermon by itself. I would describe the rhema word as the specific word prompted by God, the specific prompted logos illuminated word declared in key moments. So we say the rhema word, often people say the right now word, and you may hear that, but the whole purpose of the rhema word is that the Lord, through my devotion of his logos word, begins to show me how his logos word applies in my current moment. there's There's a quickening that takes place to where I'm now prompted on what does his word have to say and I declare his word, rhema. But the problem is, if we just leave the word at the graphe level, the written word, we miss out on the illuminated word, and we miss out on the spoken word, spoken uh, 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 being practically applied to my day-to-day life. We live in a culture and society that's comfortable with the graphe word. We live in a culture and society that's comfortable with our parents knowing the word, but us just knowing about the word. We live in a society right now where literally we, we know more sports and stats and, and, and newspaper articles than we know the word. Hear the word of the Lord. As these last days come, if we don't got the word deeply planted in us, we won't stand. We won't stand. We need to know the word. Not just the written word where you literally get to a place like Jacob, if you read Psalm, 20, if you have to read Psalm 23 over and over until he speaks to you, you say, Lord, I'm not gonna let go until you bless me. I'm not gonna let go until you bless me, not just for with a car or with a house, with a, a revelation of your word. I'm not gonna let go until you give me something that I didn't have before I came in here. I came into your presence to encounter you. I came into your presence to understand what is your word declaring? I need the illuminated word. Why, y'all? Let me tell you why. The Ramer word is for warfare. If I don't understand the logos illuminated word when I'm in battle, I have nothing to pull from. I have nothing to pull from. An example of the logos word is in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says, for the word of God is live, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That's a scary passage. Man, nothing is hidden in his sight. Everything is uncovered. Someone say uncovered. Uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What, What the writer of Hebrews is telling us is the Logos word literally cuts through the bone and marrow and even and exposes that which is not true, that which is out of alignment, that which is deception. The word of God, the Logos word will literally expose to bring forth truth. But it's not because God is trying to condemn us, but he wants to show us the areas of our lives that's out of, that are out of alignment. That's the reason why when someone speaks God's word to you, something, it almost hurts just a little bit, but it's that flesh, right? That flesh is, is, is waging against God's truth and waging against the spirit within you. But the logos literally does what it says. But Rhema, according to Ephesians 6.17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In the Ephesians 6.17 passage, it's not referring to graphe, it's not referring to logos, but it's referring to Rhema. And what's powerful about this passage, it's not referring, many scholars believe it's not, it's not a long sword, it's a dagger. because sometimes the enemy is fighting you up close and personal. and You don't got time to draw a long sword, but you need a dagger. That's what the word is saying. The dagger, the rhema is a sword I can draw on when I'm in up close battle. Anybody ever been there? You're facing the devil, and he's in your face. He's messing with your kids. He's messing with your family. He's messing with your, uh, your I don't know, friends. Or he's messing with your health. Or he's messing with something. He's not playing fair. You sometimes don't have time to draw for a long sword, but you need that dagger. I'm telling y'all, if we don't understand and know God's word, if we don't understand his illuminated word, if we don't come to know his illuminated word, to pull in those moments as Rama when the enemy comes in like a flood, we won't last but the Bible says the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard or truth against him, a standard. But that rhema I'm saying, what I'm wanting to talk to us about is this, this rhema that gives us the ability to draw on something to continue to walk in victory. I know I'm spending a lot of time here, but we got to understand God's authentic word And we got to declare it. But back to what is truth. John 14 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Another way to state that is he is the way to the Father. He is the standard for what is right and he is the resurrection and the life. He is the way to the Father, the standard. If we're looking for a standard or metric system or litmus test, Jesus is that standard for what is right and the resurrection and the life. When we're understanding God's word, one of my friends would always say this, Don't just read the Bible, but let the Bible read you. That's the illuminated word. It's it's the the word bringing forth even your intentions for the purpose of transformation. But we would spend a lot of time about authentic obedience with God's authentic word. But I want to talk a little bit about authentic love. First John chapter two, we're still in chapter two. We're taking it slow. We're going now to verse five. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly in him are truly made complete in them, this is how we know we are in him. Love for God is truly made complete in them, number one, who know God, who know his word and puts his word into practice. Therefore, I would conclude that knowing God means loving God. If I love him, I know him. If I know him, I love him. And what I love about John pointing out this idea of love is that love leads to obedience. Because I love him, I want to obey him. Right, It's not just because it's the right thing, I don't want to go to hell, right? But because I, think about it like this. Some of us get saved because we don't want to go to hell rather than getting saved so we can behold his glory. It's a different perspective. I want to see him. Yeah, I know it's weird, people don't talk like this, but I want to see Jesus and behold his glory. And that's what I love about worship and the services we do here at Christian Life Center. We get glimpses of his presence. It ought to kind of encourage you to long for his presence. There'll be a point where we can go into his presence and not have to feel like we're rushing out. Right? Loving God. We come to know God's word because we love him. We want to know him because we love him. And God is looking for a people that would say, God, I love you. And I want to know you and I want to draw near to you. I want to, I want to walk in obedience because you love me. Here's another example of love. Many of us may not know or may know the story of Joseph, Joseph, who was sold into slavery. And eventually he was working in Potiphar's house. And literally they gave him, he was like second in command over the house. Everything was almost belonging to him at this particular point, except for Potiphar's wife. <laughs> then Potiphar's wife gets the idea because they said Joseph was good looking. They said he was, he was swole. He was fresh. He was just, he was just good looking. Now, you know, that's what they said. So she sees him, she likes him. Ah, she thought it'd be a good idea to try to make a move on him. I love this, this scripture because literally temptation comes. And some of you may know the pastor, some of you may not, but literally the scripture says, before I tell you what Joseph says, she's reaching for his, his his garment and Joseph, he runs and she rips his garment. Now here's the thing I'm thinking, she probably was attractive too. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, if, if I don't want to go on that thought, but just, just, she probably was attractive to. Too, I'll just say that. <laughs> but he flees from the scene and she rips a piece of his garment and makes his whole entire lie. But what I love what Joseph says, this is the key. Joseph says this, Joseph says this, and you can find it in Genesis chapter 39. It's not in your notes. But Joseph says, everything in the house Potiphar has given me access to except for this one thing his wife, why would I discredit him, dishonor him and look away from everything he gave me and choose to touch this one thing that I can't? That's what temptation does. Temptation is always meant to get you to take your eyes off of what God has given you, to fix your eyes off of what you don't have. But Joseph had the right perspective. He didn't lose sight of the goodness of God. He didn't lose sight of his devotion to God out of his devotion to God he was he's processing in his loyalty to Potiphar his but more so his devotion to God he's thinking man i i can't give into this situation because i love God love and devotion to God led him to radical obedience love and devotion to God will lead you to radical obedience where you're doing things that are unpopular, that are uncommon, that you may not even get credit for. The scripture says, he, God says, if you acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before God. And when we walk in this unpopular, peculiar Christian life, or we may not get the credit, God literally, we are, our motivation is so much more drawn to obeying him because we love him, we're willing to do whatever it takes to obey him. That's why in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, not if you're scared to go to hell, not if you're, you're, you're worried and I'm mad at you, but if you love me, keep my commands. A last point here, not only, does God authentic, not, not only does authentic faith have authentic love, and we looked at authentic obedience, the last thing here is God calls us, if we're wanting to have authentic obedience, if we're wanting our faith to be authentic, if we're wanting to move in this motivation of love to obey God's word, we have to have an authentic pursuit an authentic pursuit that keeps us strong for more of him. Psalm 1, I love Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the, the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, I love that, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers pursuing God is saying, Lord, my delight is in you. And a quick summary of this particular passage is results of a life lived in the love of God is number one, look, delight in the Lord, not being in sync with wickedness, meditating on God's word day and night. Like how much time, how how often are you meditating on God's word? How often am I meditating on God's word? But I'm pursuing him where it's not just what I experienced with him yesterday. It's not just getting comfortable or complacent. But getting to a place where I desire his word in the morning. I desire his word in the afternoon. I desire his word at night. Because I'm just concerned with beholding him. I'm concerned with becoming like him. So Psalm 1, I love that. And he says, these people, those who are delighting themselves in the Lord. Those who are meditating on the word day and night. Those who are literally in his presence are planted rooted in christ we did an old sermon series uh another spiritual growth campaign entitled anchored and those of you if you ever didn't get a chance to watch it, you can go on our youtube uh, uh channel and check out some of the old series but i love that when we love god when we know his word when we're meditating on his word day and night and we're not in sync with wickedness we are planted storms come storms go but we're still planted Turbulence takes place. We may experience a little bit of a shakiness, but we're still planted. Literally, there's all kinds of things may take place. Pandemics may take place. Social confusion, all kinds of confusion. I won't even take time to go into that, but we're still planted. Planted in Christ is not passive. It's an active faith that says, I'm planted. Someone needs to put that in the comments. I will not be shaken. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what's happening in your life right now, but I came to tell you that you don't need to be shaken. You could be planted. You could be planted. You may experience some, some turbulence or you may have some ups and downs emotionally, but it don't got to shake your faith because he is the rock in which we stand upon. Literally, we're firmly planted in his word and his truth. A key question here is, does your life indicate that you love God rather than the world? 1 John two fifteen literally says that, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. And it's not just talking about secular this and secular that, but it's the material things. It's the enticements. It's the things that's trying to fight for your heart, your devotion, your exclusive love. God calls us to be exclusively in love with him. My question here is how do you spend time? How do you spend the majority of your time? How we spend our time reveals our values, reveals who we are, what do we spend our time doing? What's the first thing you do when you get in the morning? What's the first thing, what's the, what's the first thing you do when you get home from work or perhaps get home at night? What do you spend your time? My, my wife and I, we're, we're, we're in this place now where we're literally even deciding that we don't even want our phones in our rooms. We, we wanna rest, we don't wanna, the first thing we do we get in the morning is grab our phones and check our emails, get on Instagram, get on Facebook, and those of you guys, you guys know how Instagram is, you, you have that limit, you're gonna say, I'm gonna only be on Instagram for 15 minutes, Then the thing pops up and says, your limit has been reached, and you hit the ignore thing, right, one more minute, all the ignore limit for the day. <laughs> or the one thing that makes you feel like you really have no life, is when Instagram says, you're all caught up now. <laughs> it's like, dang, I have a purpose. But how do you spend your time? Jesus calls for us to make him to be the center. Not just first, not just second, but be the center in which our lives revolve around, how we spend our time, how we set our affections, how we make our decisions. Here's some questions you can ask yourself. Am I obedient to God's word? Remember, we're talking about authentic obedience to God's authentic word, but here's some questions you can ask yourself to put yourself to the test, for me to put myself to the test. Am I obedient to God's word? How often am I reading God's word and how is his word transforming me to be more like him? Have I lost my delight in God and his word and in his word? If you didn't get anything out of this entire sermon, my encouragement to you is authentic love leads to authentic obedience. As we obey his authentic, his authentic word. If we claim to have authentic faith, we need to have authentic obedience. We need to have authentic love and an authentic pursuit. The worship team can, can go ahead and make their way up as we get ready to start landing the plane. But some practical ways for us to see how to get into God's word is very, very simple. I encourage every single person watching or re-watching or whoever, however you're tuning in, our, my encouragement to you is that you would select a designated place where you get to read his word and, be, and tune out everything else and tune into his presence to mute out all the negative frequencies mute out all the opinions of man and say lord i need to get in your word select the designated place number two select start with maybe a chapter a day but like i said don't settle for "Ah, i'm gonna go one day a week every day do something maybe a chapter a day i encourage you also uh let the word digest if you read a scripture don't rush if it's just one sentence i mean literally just now we only had two or three sentences of first john 2 but let it marinate, digest God's Word so that it can take shape in your heart. Use reliable resources if you need a boost. The Bible app has Bible plans. There's different things you can get started. And these these resources, these resources are supplements, not replacements. That's a whole sermon in and of itself, right? Supplements, not replacements because sometimes if we're not careful, we're leaning on a supplement and making it a replacement. So if you have multivitamins or, or any types of vitamins, if you're, if you're maybe low in vitamin D, it's not that you lean on the supplement as a replacement, you still need vitamin D. This is just a supplement, not a replacement. So we use these resources, these Bible plans, these Bible plans, we use these resources, these Bible plans as supplements, not replacements guard against pride and legalism as you know God's word don't let it get to your head let it get to your heart man I'm saying there's a lot of deep people that are so theological they're mad about all kinds of doctrines it's like you're missing the god of the word by becoming so deep right guard against pride and legalism start today I always say start today start today and last but not least get into a life group get into a life group we have a way we have, we have a way for you to get on there's literally a literary, uh, A link there if you're not in a life group or a small group or a group of other believers who are desiring to grow in God's Word you can get in one today we're doing it through zoom and different people are getting really creative honoring CDC protocols but getting into a word of other like-minded or into a community of other like-minded believers who are also wanting to study God's Word I encourage you to do so get into a life group text today maybe you had a bad life group experience get into another group whatever way you got to do it to say I'm not gonna allow any excuses to get in the way of me getting in community to get into God's Word, to have fellowship with one another as we break bread in Christ. I love Psalm 119.18, it says, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things of your law. Literally put that in the comments, say, Lord, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things of your law. Open my eyes. When we get into God's Word, you can even pray that, Lord, open my eyes to see, open my heart to receive, that it's not just another graphe experience. Give me the logos. Open my eyes to see the wonders of your law. And last verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. Jesus is the best example of authentic obedience and authentic love and authentic pursuit of God. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today. You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.